Welcome to episode 79 of Kyperian Commentary. I'm your host, Yuri Brito. We have had a variety of guests over the years, the last 10 years, in fact. We've had theologians of all sorts. We've had uh, even some political figures. But, uh, you know, my true love, in the end of the day, for anyone who knows me, is singing God's Word. Singing the Psalter has been something we've discussed quite a bit at Kyperian over the years, especially with uh, my co-host Jared Ritchie in the past about the nature and importance of music in church life. And this morning I have uh, with me uh, Dan Kreider, who is the music minister at Grace Emmanuel Bible Church in Jupiter, Florida. And uh, we're going to talk about something very important that he's working on these days. But uh, first and foremost, Dan, welcome to Kyperion. Oh, thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. I have been essentially forced to interview you because I had some very dear friends who sent me a note encouraging me to reach out to you, and you were very kind to accept my invitation. Dan, uh, first and foremost, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and uh, we'll have some other questions related to your work later, but just give us a little introduction, please, for our listeners. Yeah, I'm the music minister, as you said, at Grace Emanuel Bible Church in Jupiter, Florida, and uh, I'm full-time there in that role, so I I administrate all, all aspects of the music ministry, which at the moment, with um, with everything going going on, is a little different, for sure, but uh, the choir and the orchestra and uh, the rhythm band and uh, vocalists and children's choirs and all that, you know, the elders have been very, have been very, very gracious and very just freed my schedule up to allow me to pursue things like this that that we together feel would be a benefit to our church and a benefit to other churches as well. And so, in this kind of unique season, um, it's given me an opportunity to really just to pursue something I've wanted to do for a long time. That's great, Dan. I think that's a that's wonderful, and I'm so glad that your um, leadership has allowed you to explore and to be able to use your gifts. Uh, as a way of benefiting the larger community. I want to talk about this project you just talked about. It's on uh, kickstarter.com, and I'll make sure I put the links available for our listeners here. But uh, apparently, from what I understand, you've already published a hymnal some years ago. Is that correct? Yeah. So I, you know, ever since grad school, I've always wanted to to do my own hymnal for whatever church I was in. My my professor at the time, Fred Coleman, had always taught us that the best the best hymnal a church could have would be the one that it makes for itself. And uh, in 2015, the Lord brought some cir- some circumstances together to allow me to start pursuing that. I, I already was you know had some experience in uh, music engraving and typesetting, and I had a, a knowledge of uh, of hymnology, and finally began working on a. Uh, working on a hymnal in 2015, we published that in 2016, and then did a second edition in 2018. And I think, I think, I think we sold something like maybe 10,000 copies total. Wow! Which that's you know, in, in you know, in the larger publishing world, that's that's nothing. But it but it it definitely took a life of its own, and just um, you know, it allowed a lot of churches. Well, we sold it at cost for starters, um, so we were able to offer it a little more cheaply. And just allowed a lot of churches to find a, a similar overlap in song selection with us, which was, you know, we, we tended to, although although very very few of us truly disliked maybe the music of the early 1900s, uh, you know, and the kind of the revivalist, you know, we sort of there's there's kind of a reawakening of the older stuff, even back to the Reformation, 
And then there's been, as you know, such a resurgence of um, of modern hymn writing. And so we really wanted to draw pretty heavily from from both of those. And we just found that that the song selection was uh, was just a, a really good fit. I had a lot of people contacting me saying, hey, this is exactly the kind of stuff that that we would want to sing. Uh, and so, so yeah, we, we were able to see it really benefit the Lord's people in, in a lot of different churches. That encourages me so much because uh, I think part of my pastoral work here in Pensacola has been uh, to reawaken even the, the southern part of the country here that is very inclined to a kind of Fanny Crosby approach to music in general, or on the other hand, um, really have rejected anything that is uh, was written before the 19th century. And so in our attempt to reawaken the Christian population of these things, um, it, it's good to know that there are some other apologists out there doing this work. And you've been doing it for a long time. You have some academic background in it. You've done some typesetting, which is a really remarkable job. I have a good friend named Michael Owens. Do you know who he is, Dan? I, I do. You know, it's funny that you say that. We've just begun. Um, we've just begun interacting, and in fact, I we've recently swapped materials in the mail. And so last night, I got a package from him with some of the things he's done, and I've sent him some things that I've done. And so it's it's really it's been really neat because, as you know, it's it's such a a, a niche market. Um, or profession. It's uh, very, we tend to be very uh, nerdy and have a very specific interest and skill set, but yet one that's so broadly useful. I mean, that's one of the things that I love particularly about hymnal engraving. You know, the the process is, um, well, like, like any craftsmanship, it's tedious. It's clicking and nudging things around on a screen. But what always keeps me going is the knowledge that I'm going to put a printed uh, you know, a, a printed volume in the hands of maybe hundreds of people that can sing this. And if we get a good, you know, a good print quality and binding, they could, they could keep this book and pass it to their grandchildren full of truths about God and the gospel. And so, so yeah, the long answer to a short question is, yeah, I've, I've interacted with Michael and that's, it's been neat to meet people like that increasingly. Yeah, I'm really grateful for your gifts. Um, I think what you said is is a very crucial dimension of this conversation because we're talking about a, a generational approach to music, a kind of endurability that a lot of modern music doesn't have. And yet when we come across some of these, uh, not only the Psalter, but in the hymnal itself, the, the theological uh, richness that we see is bound up to endure um, longer than the traditional lifestyle of these songs, which is probably about 10 years or so. Right. And so that's that's a really uh, appreciative ministry that I think you have, and I hope it bears good fruit. All right, let's talk about the Psalter here. That's that's the heart of my uh, so much of what I do here in Pensacola. I have a particular, because of Michael Owens and our friendship over the years, a particular fondness for uh, the Genevan jigs, you know, the Genevan Psalter. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Calvin's uh, Geneva, it, it requires a certain taste for it. It requires a training of our, our musical taste. It's a little complicated, complex at times. Some of the music is irregular. It changes very drastically. And I am also aware, because I am in the Reformed tradition, of a variety of small little Presbyterian denominations that treasure particular Psalters that they've used for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us Dan, if you will, what is unique about this Psalter project that you have going on? Yeah, well, that was interestingly one of the first questions I got, and it wasn't confrontational, but I was on a, a kind of a pastor's 
Facebook group and one of the guys said, he said, hey, look, I'm not trying to ask this the wrong way, but w- what's, what's the point of your Psalter? You know, I'm aware of, you know, so Crown and Covenant uh, has several publications, uh, Trinity, uh, the Trinity Psalter came out recently. Uh, there's, there's several others with some smaller denominations. Um, then of course there's older, older Psalters like the Scottish Psalter and uh, the 1912 Psalter, which I think is just in, in my mind, just stands above head and shoulders above a lot of its, a lot of its, uh, sort of its neighbors uh, in its quality. The gray, the gray, uh, the gray copy. Yeah, I, I, you know, I've actually never seen a physical copy of it, but I'm, I, I feel so familiar with its, um, with screenshots <laughs> uh, of its, of its pages, um, yeah. from having always just looked at it digitally. I've never handled one. Um, but you know, there, there are so many Salters, uh, so many Salters out there. I think one of the main differences is that, you know, we were coming and, and I, I explained this in the Kickstarter project and on, on our website and all that is that, you know, we are coming, we're, we're not, we're not starting with a position of exclusive psalmody. And, and one of the challenges was initially just kind of testing the waters and seeing, wow, it's a big world out there, even in our, you know, relatively small, uh, circles of, you know, you have guys singing psalms in twelve-point uh, chant or you know an Anglican chant. Uh, you have you have some of the the Genevan jigs. You have um, you have some approaches that are more you know they're they're really taking traditional, very standard tunes. Uh, then you you have a, a variety of uh, of perspectives on on how literal it needs to be as well. And, you know, this goes all the way back to something like the Bay Psalm Book, when that was it's a funny uh, funny anecdote you know, it was, it was not exactly known for its artistic brilliance. Um, it was, it was rough and, and ready. And, uh, you know, when, when people complained to him, uh, Cotton Mather replied, God's altar needs not our polishings. And so you saw that, that approach that even, you know, that even going back to the colonists had in regards to how essential, how important it was to be literal. Well, you know, we're, we're not beginning necessarily from that premise, although I can respect it. You know, I would say, Hey, the act of translation and metricization, you've already involved human, uh, human composition. So we would say, even as you can pray to God in your own words, so also we believe you can sing to God in your own words. Nevertheless, we can also, I think, simultaneously acknowledge that, that the Psalms, at least in the traditions I know, have have really fallen into severe disuse. We, we might we might pay homage to Psalm twenty three in passing, um, but in general, I think Christians, at least kind of the general circles that I know, and of course I speak very generally, um, but there tends to be a sort of a, a general ignorance in regards to not necessarily the content of the Psalms, but maybe never having processed the fact that we can actually sing them. Uh, they were, after all, the hymnal of our Lord. Uh, and of uh, when he was on this earth and of, of Israel. I'll wrap it up by saying we wanted to take an approach that was um, that was a little, it was freer, admittedly. Now, as I go through, I'm finding many more of the settings are literal uh, than free. So, so if uh, this is, you know, it's like, it's like a, a wedding reception, you know, well, if you invite so-and-so, I guess we have to invite so-and-so. Uh, and it's hard to know, you know, where, where's that cut off? But in general, if I felt that a that a lyricist um, had had seen a phrase in the psalm that he or she liked and said, "Oh, let's take that and I'll write a song," well, that wasn't enough for me. Um, I wanted to know by the lyrical content that it was clear that they 
that they had the, the they had the psalm open beside them. They had the scriptures open as they were laboring uh, in the writing of the lyrics. It had that had to be clear to me. Um, but although many of them are, many of them are actually truly verse for verse. I mean, you can you can make a one to one between a portion of a stanza in the song and the actual verse. So it's a, it's a you know a, a dynamic equivalent. At the same time, we we felt a freedom to say. Okay, Psalm seventy-eight. <clears throat> well, uh, there are some psalms that are they're very long, and we just said, look, we want to capture the essence of it, or uh, what I would call the the theme song test. So, if if the text of the sermon for the day were a particular psalm, or if you read the psalm as a family in devotions, would the selections that we've offered be be able to be a perfect fit as a response? And so. So actually, we did end up being a little more literal, tending more toward literal than I had thought. But we did try to avoid, uh, you know, poetry that well wasn't very poetic, actually, to be honest, and was very wooden. Uh, I didn't feel bound to that. Um, so, so you know, I everybody thinks they're balanced, right? So I think we have a, a nice, in my mind, a nice balance of something that flows artistically that sings well. You know, you don't. You wouldn't feel your brow furrowing at a spot to try to labor through it texturally, but at the same time, um, at the same time, bound enough to the text that you feel. Even this project for me has been rich because I I feel as though I have been in the Psalms because I have, and that's that's really been our goal. That's fantastic. I I see that you uh, have are going to be using some music from uh, Greg Wilbur, which I think is yeah. uh, fantastic. We use some of his music here in our congregation. But, you know, to your point, I think there is this this translational dimension to everything we do. If if psalms are essentially prayers, in, in one sense, they take on this essential sermonic feel to them. At some level, they have to be translated to the people. Now, that's the key where you're talking about where how far do we how, how far do we go in the literal dimension or the dynamic mm-hmm. equivalence? And uh, either way, I think the when the essence of the psalm is communicated, especially in our age, I think we're doing something remarkable in the uh, in the music that we see in the church today. We are essentially indoctrinating our congregation in God's hymnal, and I think that's part of our agenda. And I think that's a great job, um, especially as we're trying to minister to a generation that is so uh, completely distant from the kind of language that the great theologians of the hymnals were, you know. And yes. I think that's and one final point here. I think from my perspective here is that. There's a reason a lot of these hymns were written by pastors who were theologians. They had this in, uh, this sense of a, a generational continuity that they wanted to see when they wrote their music. So that's why they uh, grappled so much with the text, because they wanted to make sure that their music was going to be as textual as possible as they theologized about particular texts. And I think... Now, I understand that not all hymns have survived. Some hymns are, are will be lost forever in history. But a lot of the hymns, the reason they have survived, they have this, they pass this survivability test is because of their commitment to the text. And when you're doing the Psalms, you get uh, the Psalms as is, even though it's it goes through some translational or structured poetry. But the purpose in the end is that it is singable because I know you have seen some psalms or some settings of psalms that are just plainly not singable for the average Christian, right? Right, right. And uh, right. I think what you're doing is just a, a really beneficial process. I look forward to engaging this 
uh, Dan, very much in the future here. All right, Dan, let's talk numbers, okay? Uh, the Kickstarter project is online. Our people get a chance to see it, our listeners. Um, how much do you need, Dan? Uh, we, we need to raise, we think, about $13,000. Okay. Um, and as I've as I've found in the, and I'm not in the professional publishing business, but as I've, as I, you know, as a hobbyist, um, what I've found, which is no surprise to people is that, um, is that quantity is everything. So the more you print, the cheaper it gets. So, you know, we would like to print, um, you know, several thousand copies of this. Um, if, if, if we only print 500 to a thousand, you, you kind of pay out the nose. So 13,000 is what, is what we feel like we need to raise both to, in terms of printing something that's nice, um, you know, having the materials to ship it out, and then um, you know, also securing all of the all of the royalties and copyrights, because many, many, many of the of the texts that we're using are they are under copyright, and and obviously we want to go through the correct process there. So we're we're about half, we're a little more than halfway uh, to to that. We've raised just shy as of this morning of seven thousand dollars. Um, we have about a month and a half left, you know, um, uh, giving has, has tapered off a little bit, understandably. We, we knew that one of the challenges was in this season, in this kind of this economic uh, uncertainty, uh, we were a little hesitant, but I thought, you know, look, we just need to launch with this. So that's, that's where we are at present. Dan, thank you for your work. I'm looking here at a couple of samples and I love the typesetting, um, the signature. I love the way the song is put together in a piece of paper as our people will be able to look at it. They can read the music. The music seems to be uh, fairly direct, easy to follow, easy for a pianist. And uh, I'm just uh, very excited about uh, what this what this looks like in the future of the church. And I pray great success for you. And I pray our interview might uh, stir some donors up to reach that 13,000 level very soon. Dan, I want to thank you for your labors, brother. And I want to just uh, encourage you in your well-doing and so that you will not grow weary but continue and i know god will will prosper your work dan Kreider, kickstart project we'll make that available to our listeners thanks for joining us dan yes it's it's uh it's it's been my my pleasure thanks so much until we know as we That shall never end Songs that shall never end